Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's up, you guys? I'm Haley. And I'm Andrea. And this is Inhuman, a true crime podcast. Okay, today we are going to be talking about a Canadian case, which I think this is my first Canadian case. I know, Andrea, you covered one pretty early on. Yeah. But I feel like we haven't covered a ton, and honestly, I love everything I know about Canada, so same. Um, it was kind of fun learning some of the geography of Canada in this case, but I think that this is a case that it is an unsolved disappearance case. And mm-hmm. I truly believe that she can be found. I truly believe okay. that she is out there alive and that she can be found and brought home. So I really am happy to be sharing this today. It's, you know, of course, a sad story because she disappeared. Right. But I really think that there's potential to, like, help spread awareness for her and help bring her home to her family. So that's why I wanted to share this today. Okay. So today, we are going to be talking about the disappearance of Michaela Bali from Yorkton, Saskatchewan, Canada. I have asked so many people how to say Saskatchewan, and I've gotten some different different responses, and people have sent me voice messages on Instagram on how to say it, so I think I'm saying it right, Saskatchewan. Okay. I hope I am, but we're just doing our best here. If not, we're sorry. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're doing our, the best we can. Yeah. So Michaela Margaret Bali was born on July 2nd, 1999 in Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada. I've also heard some people say it Regina, but I've heard some people say it Regina, so I'm not really sure. I'm going to go with Regina because it's just I'm going to go with Regina too. I feel yeah. like Regina doesn't sound right. <laughs> yeah. So Michaela's biological father is not officially known, but after her disappearance, a man was named as potentially being her father, so we'll talk about that a little bit more. But growing up, Michaela lived with her mom, Paula Bali. Paula is a program development consultant for a branch of the Ministry of Social Services of the government of Saskatchewan. And they lived in Yorkton with Michaela's aunt, her maternal grandmother, and her two younger siblings. Okay. Michaela was, by all accounts, a good kid, kind of quiet and shy, a little bit more on the introverted side, but she loved her friends who described her as caring and, quote, very conscious about what her friends' needs were. Aww. Michaela also loved to play video games like League of Legends, and she is a big fan of the Hunger Games series. Aw, that's cool. I like that series. I actually never got into that series, but I feel like it's something I would like, so every now and then I'm like... I should try reading those books and watching those movies again. 
See, I never read the books. I am a book person, or I used to be anyway, where I'd, like, always read the books before I'd watch the movies. That one I didn't, but the movies were really good, I thought, so. All right, maybe I'll just watch the movies then. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So in 2016, Michaela was in her 11th grade year of school. She played violin, and she was also in the drama club, but she was really serious about her violin, and in around her disappearance in April of 2016, she was actually preparing for an upcoming violin recital. Michaela's mom said that in the months before she disappeared, she really felt like Michaela was hitting her stride. You know, she was kind of coming into her own and and becoming the person that she was meant to be. And when Michaela disappeared, everyone basically thought that she had been abducted, everyone that knew her, because she was not a risky kid. She had never left home willingly. Right. None of her friends or family thought that she ran away. In February 2016, Michaela had received a bouquet of flowers at school. Oh, no. So this was just a few months before she disappeared, and it was kind of a weird delivery. They were delivered in a plain cardboard box, and so all that's really known about them is that it was from an online order, and Michaela never told anyone who these flowers came from. So from what I can understand, they she knew who they were from. It's not like they were anonymously sent, but she never told okay. anyone who they were from. Side note, just on that, like, little tidbit, I may have told you this before, but when I was, like, uh, I think I was 18 or 19, I had a stalker, and oh, he would leave, like, flowers and teddy bears on my uh, car at my job all the time. Oh, that's yeah. creepy. Very creepy. Yeah, definitely a little odd, for sure. Her friends definitely thought it was a little weird, and police actually later reported that they did identify the sender, but they've never made that person's name public and they've said that they don't believe the flowers were related to her disappearance okay because i was gonna say why would they not have that person but i guess maybe they had an alibi or whatever yeah exactly but i definitely think that it could point to maybe some potential grooming or something like that which you'll see more of as we go through this case okay So in the days prior to Michaela's disappearance, she had apparently mentioned to several friends that she was looking forward to traveling in the upcoming summer. You know, this was like towards kind of near the end of the school year. So she was just talking about how she was excited to travel that summer. And friends say that Michaela had told them that she had $5,000 in her bank account and was going to use that to travel. But police actually later confirmed that this is not the case. She did not have that much money in her bank account. So it's kind of unclear where exactly that came from i don't know if she was just trying to say like oh i have five thousand dollars this is gonna be so fun or some people have pointed to maybe somebody was telling her that they were going to give her money again yeah that grooming kind of scenario and i guess like they never found any cash on hand or anything like that that would you know go towards that amount not that much okay on Monday, April 11th, Michaela texted her friend Oksana asking for a ride to the local Toronto Dominion Bank the next morning. That day, Michaela had called the bank three different times, and eventually she wired $25 to her account. Oh. She also told friends on April 11th that she was wanting to go on a vacation out of town, but her friends didn't believe that she was actually going. So she was kind of saying, I want to go out of town now. But her friends didn't think she actually was going to. Okay. 
On the evening of the 11th, she messaged several friends saying that she was unhappy about something and needed help, but we don't know exactly what was said about that, and I don't think she ever made it super clear. Okay. She also told one of her friends named Amy how a man named Christopher, who she had been talking to online, was going to be coming into town to meet up with her, and we will we'll go more into him later. So we actually know a lot about what happened on the day Michaela disappeared because there were a ton of surveillance cameras that captured a lot of her movements throughout the day on April 12th, 2016. And honestly, that makes it even more troubling that she vanished because between those and several witness statements, we have a very detailed timeline of the day she went missing, but she still somehow disappeared. So it was Tuesday, April 12th, 2016, and at 6.41 a.m., Michaela texted her friend Oksana again asking for a ride to the local TD bank. But since it was so early in the morning, Oksana was like, the bank's not open yet. I'm not going to take you because it's not open. Right. According to Michaela's mom, April 12th was a totally normal morning at their home. The two got up and did their hair and makeup together in the bathroom, just as always. Michaela's grandma then drove her to school just like she did every other morning. And Michaela arrived at the Sacred Heart High School sometime between 8.05 and 8.15. Her phone connected to the school Wi-Fi at 8.08 a.m. And then at 8.21 a.m., CCTV from inside the school shows Michaela putting a binder in her locker. So we know that she was inside school that day. Right. And then at 8.30 a.m., she is seen on CCTV leaving the school through the back entrance. Next, she was seen on surveillance footage walking southeast along some railroad tracks not far from the school. Between 8.40 and 8.50 a.m., she went into a local pawn shop called Terry's Pawn and Bargain, and she was attempting to pawn two several silver rings. The owner, Terry, did not make her an offer like they weren't worth anything, so she left, and he later said that she didn't really seem upset or distressed when she left. It wasn't like she was like, oh, I really need to sell these. She kind of was just like, okay, and left. Between 8.50 and 8.55 a.m., she was seen in the parking lot of the TD Bank waiting for it to open, and she appeared to be on the phone with someone while she waited. And then once it did, she approached the teller, and she withdrew $55 from her account. She then left the bank, and surveillance footage shows her walking east on Broadway Street at 9 a.m. There's so much money being shuffled around around. for, like, a 16-year-old to be – it's very, like, odd behavior, in my opinion. I would agree. At about 9, 10 a.m., Michaela is seen on camera entering a combined Tim Hortons and Wendy's restaurant. She purchased a drink and sat down at a table, and she can be seen using her phone. She's basically sitting at the booth using her phone. It seems like at one point she even took apart her phone and then putting it back together, which I don't think this is necessarily the weirdest thing, because if you think back, I mean, 2016, obviously there were smartphones, and we don't know exactly what kind of phone she had, but also some of those older phones, if you, like, took the battery out if it was acting up, like, I used to do that all the time. So I don't think this is, like, the most weird thing. Right. But while sitting in the booth, every now and then, Michaela would turn around and look at the door, the entrance, as if she was kind of looking for someone. Mm-hmm. And I'll put some, uh, like, screen grabs from the surveillance footage videos on our Instagram so you can kind of see, get an idea of what I'm talking about. 
Also, I want to note here that she actually had a backpack with her this day, which seems normal, but her friends later told police that she usually brought a purse to school, not a backpack. Oh. So her carrying a backpack was a little bit abnormal, and you'll see in the surveillance footage, it does kind of look heavy. It doesn't look completely stuffed, but it does look like it has a good amount of stuff inside of it. So police believe that this could have indicated that she was planning to go somewhere. So Michaela was sitting in the booth with her backpack next to her, and less than 15 minutes after she entered the restaurant, she got up and left through the same door she came in through. But then almost immediately, she turned around, walked back inside, and walks through the restaurant and then leaves through another exit. Oh, okay. It was almost as if she was looking for someone or... My first thought was she saw someone and wanted to go out the other way. That was my thought, too. She saw someone that she didn't want to run into, so she went out the other exit. Exactly. But we don't know. Yeah. During the next 25 minutes, Michaela was seen on several cameras near the restaurant, kind of walking around in like a wide circle around the blocks around the restaurant. At 9.49 a.m., she returns to the restaurant, sitting down at a different table, now facing the entrance that she came in. And she sat there for the next 20 minutes, continuing to talk on the phone, looking like she's sending text messages, doing something on her phone, scrolling, um, and then kind of just sitting there. At 10, 12 a.m., Michaela texted one of her friends saying, quote, hey, I need help. That friend actually didn't get that text message because she left her phone at home that day accidentally. So she never saw it. And not long after, Michaela sent her another text saying, never mind, I figured it out. Hmm. After this, Michaela got up and left the restaurant, but then turned around, came back in, and sat back down at the same booth. She was there for a little bit longer, and then at 10.43 a.m., she can be seen inside the restaurant going up to an elderly lady at a nearby table and having a short conversation with her. And this lasted less than a minute, and this woman later was identified and told police that Michaela had asked her for help in renting a hotel room. Oh. So the woman doesn't know if she was asking for money or if she was just asking for somebody who was old enough. Because if you didn't know, at least in the States, you can't book a hotel room until you're 21. Right. So I'm guessing it's somewhat similar in Canada. So it's un- the lady didn't know if she, was- if she needed money to do it or if she just needed an adult to do it. Okay. But either way, the woman declined. She didn't know why she was asking. And she said, no, I'm sorry. I can't, I can't help with that. No. So after that conversation, Michaela sat back down in the booth, used her phone again, and then shortly after that, she left the restaurant while talking on the phone, and she never came back into that restaurant. At 10.45 a.m., she was seen on camera walking west on Broadway Street East. She then turned and headed south on 7th Avenue, but quickly turned around and continued heading west on Broadway Street East. She eventually goes out of camera view, and she's not seen on camera for another hour. Sometime between 11 and 11.45 a.m., Michaela was seen at a local Saskatchewan transportation company bus depot where she asked an employee about when the next bus to Regina would be leaving. Now, I've seen some reports that say she was just asking about when the next bus in general would be leaving, and then some say she was specifically asking about a bus to Regina. So unclear, but either way, she was asking when is, when is a bus leaving. The employee told her that the next bus would leave at 5 p.m., So Michaela decided to not purchase purchase a ticket, and she left. At 11.35 a.m., she texted a friend saying, I'll see you at lunch. And then at 11.59, she is seen re-entering the high school. 
Inside, she met up with two friends in the cafeteria, but not the friend that she had texted saying, I'll see you at lunch. These two friends later reported that Michaela told them she was planning to take a bus to Regina for a vacation. Also of note, when Michaela was in the school, it almost looks like she has two cell phones, but oh. her her parents said, or her mom said she didn't have a second cell phone that she knew of, and it's just kind of from appearance. We don't know that for sure. Okay. But less than five minutes after getting back into the school at 12.03 p.m., Michaela left again. She went back to the bus depot, and she was seen at the Trail Shop restaurant, where she ordered and ate lunch. She left the restaurant, or she was in the restaurant between 1 and 1.45 p.m., and eventually she left, and no witnesses recall seeing her after this, and she is not seen on any other surveillance footage. Police were able to confirm that she did not end up getting on a bus that day. So when school let out for the day, Michaela's grandmother, Margaret, went to pick her up, like any other day, but when she arrived, obviously Michaela wasn't there. Mm. After waiting for a little bit, she went inside to find out where she was, and that's when she learned that Michaela hadn't been at school all day. And this actually kind of surprised me because I was like, when I was in high school, even high school, if you weren't in school, they would call your parents and be like... (laughs) where is your child yeah and so I guess I don't know if it was different if it's different in Canada in general I was trying to research that but I couldn't really know so if any listeners from Canada know if that's kind of just not something that they do there maybe it was this specific school or something like that I'd love to know because I'm curious if somebody at the school dropped the ball or if that's just typical that doesn't really happen at schools in Canada yeah But that's when Margaret learned that Michaela hadn't been at school, and her first thought was that Michaela had headed to her violin lesson early. So she had a violin lesson pretty shortly after school ended, and like I said, she had an upcoming recital, and apparently she had been practicing the entire night before. So Margaret was like, okay, maybe she just went to her violin lesson early. She then called Michaela's mom, and that's when they realized that she was not at her violin lesson. Mm -hmm. The two women immediately started trying to figure out what was going on. They called Michaela, getting no response, and they headed back to the school to search for her there. After that, they headed back home to check for the family's slush fund that her mom kept in case of emergencies. Because at first, her mom was like, you know, maybe she did leave, but if she did, she would have taken that money. That money was still there, as was Michaela's phone charger, her makeup, and her acne medication. So Paula and Margaret knew that she hadn't run away. Mm. They searched areas surrounding the school for a couple of hours, but after finding no sign of her anywhere, they contacted the police. And by 8 p.m. that night, 16-year-old Michaela was reported missing. By 7 a.m. the next morning, Michaela's phone had been turned off. But the Yorkton Royal Canadian Mountain Police, or the RCMP, began their search immediately. They were trying to get access to Michaela's social media apps because that's what she was using to communicate with people. But because of privacy laws, they weren't able to immediately see who she had been talking to. They did ground searches but found no sign of Michaela. And by April 14th, they were asking for the public's help. Tips came in and they followed all leads while continuing their search, but nothing turned up. Investigators were able to police or to piece together Michaela's movements that I just described, and they did this by reviewing hundreds of hours of surveillance footage and by interviews of several witnesses. But that was all they had. 
Three weeks later and still no leads, the Yorkton RCMP turned Michaela's case over to the General Investigations Section, or the GIS, which is dedicated to specifically investigating major offenses. Michaela's social media accounts were not touched after her disappearance until about three months later when a message she had received on Snapchat was opened on her account. So her friends continued to send her Snapchats, and one day, one of these Snapchats opened. So people believe that her phone could have been turned back on and that someone accidentally opened this message. Now, according to Sluice on Reddit, which I know is not a reliable source, but apparently, what from what they found, Snapchat does sometimes, like, deactivate accounts and messages can open. Mm. However, there are other reports that say Snapchat does not automatically delete accounts. Yeah. And I don't think that this is a thing. No, I don't either. And I can speak from experience... <laughs> Because I deleted my Snapchat probably like a year or two ago, and I just recently downloaded it, and I had like five, six messages that were unopened. So, I don't believe that. No, I I don't either, and I definitely think that, like, I've sent Snapchats that never got opened from people who deleted their, their account. Yeah. So, I don't think that that is the case. It could be a fluke, but it's unknown exactly what this whole snapchat opening is actually about but all other activity on any of her social media accounts has stayed what's the word i'm looking for nothing there's been no activity yeah so the gis was investigating michaela's inner circle trying to learn as much about her as they could and they were also trying to get all information from these social media accounts her mom paula gave investigators all of michaela's passwords to these apps to help support their efforts of combing through her online history, but they've run into problems with messages being automatically deleted and privacy laws from U.S.-owned apps, especially the app called Kick. So Kick is an app where communication is anonymous. So it's kind of like WhatsApp, but completely anonymous, and there's no way to identify who the person is talking to. The app has actually been widely criticized for allowing online predators easy access to children because there's no friend request required to speak with someone and it just makes it really easy for those types of people to contact children. Yeah. Well, I actually have experience with Kick. My stepson, back when he was, I don't know, maybe like 12, like preteen years, he had Kick and he was messaging inappropriate things with people Mm -hmm. that were claiming to be, you know, young girls. And to me, I thought it was an online predator. And we tried to figure out, like, who the people were, and it was pretty much impossible. So, yeah, Yeah, not a fan of Kick. (laughs) Yeah, and it is still out there, but they're, I'm guessing that they've probably tried to clean it up a little bit because they've gotten a lot of criticism. Hopefully, yeah. But it definitely is troubling that she was using that app, and it made it so much harder for investigators because they've never been able to identify who she was talking to or what she was sending. Now, according to her friends, Michaela was known to chat online, and several of her friends have said that they were unaware of who she was in contact with. And her friends said that while she did communicate with people using Kick, they always thought that these communications were typically short-lived. Three months after Michaela disappeared, the RCMP issued a child search alert for Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba. 
and the alert would later be renewed and expanded across Canada, but this has never led anywhere. Mm. In 2017, a new three-day grid search was done in a wooded area near Michaela's school, and it's unclear what new evidence, if any, led to that search, but nothing was found from it. Police were doing all they could, interviewing others that they found Michaela to have contact with online and anyone who was in the area around the time of her disappearance, but her case started to go cold. No suspects have been named in her disappearance, but there was one person of interest pretty early on. This was a stocky, muscular man with dark hair and a large tattoo of a fiery cross on his forearm. And he was seen by several witnesses leaving the trail stop restaurant at the bus depot with Michaela. So police got a description of him, specifically of that tattoo, and they were desperate to find him. And eventually he reported himself to the police for them to question him. And they determined that this man had only held the door open for Michaela that day, not actually walked with her and had no other contact with her. Well, that was good that he at least came forward so they could question him. Yeah, exactly. And so that they could stop using resources towards him. Yeah. In July 2017, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children joined the search to help give the case more resources. And then in 2019, the police released several of the surveillance videos in the hopes that someday or that somebody may see something, remember something. But so far, that hasn't really helped. Mm. There have been several sightings of Michaela over the years, so I'm going to go through those. The first was in October 2016, when it was reported that Michaela was seen in Vancouver, and her mother actually traveled there to post missing posters, but that led nowhere. In 2017, police in Alberta reported that they believed Michaela attended an event in the city in January, but again, that led nowhere. Hmm. But then, a very promising lead came in. On August 8th, 2019, Michaela's mom received a call from a man claiming to have seen and talked to Michaela in Edmonton, which is about eight hours from Yorkton. So he had been at a club a few months earlier for a pool tournament, and while outside taking a smoke break, he met a young girl. This young girl said that her name was Michaela and that she was staying in the area, and at the time, he didn't think much of it because he hadn't heard about Michaela's case. Okay. But a few months later, he saw a poster of Michaela online and realized that the girl that he talked to looked very similar to her. Hmm. He then kind of dove more into her disappearance, looking on the family's Facebook page, and that's when he came, became convinced that the girl he talked to was Michaela. Oh. He told Paula that she apparently looked and acted exactly like Michaela, and like I said, even said her name was Michaela. And many people believe that this could have been her and that she really was there. After getting this call, Paula immediately flew to Edmonton and started putting up missing posters to search for her daughter. And the RCMP had also gotten a call from him and they went and they got the surveillance tapes from the club. But unfortunately, that footage was deleted after 60 days and it had been more than that. So they couldn't get anything from the surveillance footage. That being said, the RCMP seems to still be investigating this lead, and it seems like they are still hopeful that this could be her. And her family in particular is very hopeful that this means that she is still out there and that one day she can come home. I mean, it sounds promising. It really does. It does. As I mentioned earlier, and as we've talked about, Michaela was known to speak to people online. And one of those people was a man named Christopher, 
that shortly before her disappearance, she told one of her friends that he was coming to visit. So Michaela's friend Amy knew that Michaela was talking to Christopher through Instagram. And she had told Amy that Christopher was soon coming to visit his mom in Saskatoon, not far from Yorkton. Christopher was actually from North Carolina, and after Michaela's disappearance, the RCMP were able to identify and investigate him. They interviewed him, and they found no evidence that Christopher was even in Canada at the time that Michaela disappeared, so he was ruled out. Christopher later told the CBC News that the only reason he was talking to Michaela was to help her work through her thoughts of self-harm. So he said that she was struggling with this and he was helping her by through it by encouraging her to look towards God. I do want to note that Michaela's family has said that she was not known to self-harm, but that's just what this man claims. And either way, he was licked into and he wasn't he had no involvement. Right. Another potential suspect was someone else Michaela had been chatting with online named Josh. They had no other information about Josh. And police searched all around surrounding areas looking for somebody named Josh who could be involved. They found one Josh that knew Michaela years earlier from a church camp, but they learned that he hadn't been in contact with her for over three years, so he was ruled out, and no other Joshes that were found could be connected to Michaela's disappearance. Mm. One other person I just want to mention, and I do not think that anybody thinks he was involved, but this he's talked about some so i just want to mention it is michaela's supposed father okay so as i mentioned michaela did not know who her father was and according to her friends she was hopeful to meet him one day after her disappearance a man named rick breet came forward and he claimed to be her father so breet claimed that he was never contacted by Michaela and that he even believed she didn't know who he was. And Paula then came forward and said, there's no evidence to point that to Breit being Michaela's father. Okay. Either way, because of him coming forward like this, he was investigated and police concluded that he was not involved in Michaela's disappearance. Did they, do they know who, like, does her mother know who her father is or did they do a DNA to rule him out? It doesn't seem like her mother knows who her father is. I don't believe they've done DNA, um, but I don't think that they think any potential father did is this. involved. Okay. Yeah. So, of course, there are several theories about what happened to Michaela. The first being that she ran away. And this has come forward a lot because police have said that there's no evidence to point to any foul play. Which, like, fair, but there's also no evidence to point to anything. Yeah, and there, yeah, exactly. There's no way to rule that out 100%. Yeah, and her mother pointed out that Michaela's acne medication and money for emergencies at the house were both left at home, so she was like, there's no way she ran away. Yeah, why would she leave that behind? Yeah. The next theory is that Michaela was a victim of human trafficking. So the part of Saskatchewan that Michaela disappeared from, Yorkton, is right in the center of several cities that have previously been identified as a large human trafficking hub. Mm. Police have said that they don't really believe this to be the case but again we can't fully rule that out the biggest theory in this case is that Michaela had been groomed by an online predator and that she was going to meet them that day about a month before Michaela disappeared she posted on snapchat quote looking for snapchat friends because I have none in real life add Mm -hmm. me please don't be a greasy fuck and send me gross ass nudes just looking for friends Uh, that's not good 
No. And this could have been exactly what a predator was looking for. Oh, for sure. Someone could have tricked her, playing on her vulnerability to groom her. And we don't know for sure, but this is definitely a very real possibility. Michaela's family have done everything they can to search for her. Through fundraising, they were able to initially offer a $25,000 reward for any information leading to Michaela's safe return. In December 2018, this reward was doubled thanks to an anonymous donor, except that donor requested their money back in January 2020. What the fuck? Right? Like, no, no. I'd be like, uh, access denied. Yeah, exactly. In April 2021, at the fifth anniversary of Michaela's disappearance, the reward was increased to $40,000 through fundraising. Wow. And then this year, in April 2022, for the sixth anniversary, another anonymous donor donated $60,000, so the reward fund has reached $100,000. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. One small other thing that I just want to point out, because a lot of people talk about this in the about this in this case is drugs mm. so there are some reports that kids from her school had seen Michaela with oxycodone however it was confirmed that this oxycodone was her accutane her acne medication oh wow <laughs> and she was not on drugs she had no involvement with drugs and police have said this is not drugs are not involved in her disappearance at all Michaela was last seen wearing glasses a teal slash mint color infinity scarf, jeans, a three-quarter length burgundy purple coat. She has blonde wavy brown hair that was worn down. And at the time of her disappearance, she was about 5'2 and 114 pounds. No. She would be 22 years old today. And while it has been over six years since she disappeared, her family is still hopeful that one day she will return. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely think so. Yeah. Her family run several social media accounts sharing any updates in her case, and I'll link those in the show notes. Their Facebook page in particular, they post a lot of updates in there and information. It's called Let's Bring Michaela Bali Home, and the most recent post in the group is about the $100,000 reward that is currently available for Michaela's safe return. At the five-year anniversary, a statement from the RCMP said, quote, we continue to encourage members of the public with information to please come forward and report it to police. They can contact their nearest RCMP detachment or police service or report information anonymously via Crime Stoppers. Investigators continue to actively receive tips, which are followed up on. We are still looking for that key piece of evidence, that one tip, which will lead us to Michaela. And that's all it takes. Yep. And Paula is determined to bring her daughter home. In one press conference speaking directly to Michaela, she said that Michaela is always welcome home no matter what happened. And she said, quote, you are missed beyond measure and loved beyond what words can ever be expressed. This breaks my heart. Me too. If you or anyone you know has any information regarding Michaela Bali's disappearance, or if you think you see Michaela... You can contact the Yorkton RCMP at 1-844-880-6518, or you can email rcmp.fbali.grc at rcmp-grc.gc.ca. I will put all that in the show notes. 
You can also remain anonymous by contacting Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-8477 or submit a tip on their website at SASK, S-A-S-K, CrimeStoppers.com. And again, I'll have that all in the show notes. There is also a GoFundMe that her family has to help pay for search and investigation expenses, so I will have that linked in the show notes as well. Please, please, please help spread awareness about Michaela's case by sharing her photo, her story, and getting her name out there because she can still be found. Yeah, and I think think, uh, just my opinion is, like you were saying, that she met someone online. It was likely a person that was much older than her. He groomed her got her to meet him i think that she you know is almost to me my just my opinion like she is there kind of willingly if that makes sense but not like you know like she wants to go home and see her family but she also wants to be there with this person um i agree and i think that she is alive and i think that she can definitely return home yeah I completely agree with you, which is why I wanted to share this story today, because I think it is so important to spread awareness about cases like this, Mm -hmm. because you just never know who might see something, who might know something. And if she is still out there alive, you don't even have to have seen something in 2016. You could see something tomorrow and report it, and it could lead to to her being brought home. So, Yeah, that is everything we know about the disappearance of Michaela Bali. Again, I will post everything, all of the information you need in our show notes and also post missing flyers on her Instagram and or on our Instagram and everything so you can share it, help spread the word. And yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. We appreciate it as always. And until next time, keep it human. Bye, guys.